the Lord. It is good to be here tonight. Hallelujah. We are glad to be home. Love all of y'all so much. Appreciate your prayers and support. And like Pastor said, we'll be talking a little bit more about the trip next week. So y'all can go ahead and be seated. Did you dismiss whoever needed to be dismissed already? Okay, praise God. You know, one of the things when we were in uh, Samoa that it was so awesome to me to see the hunger of those students that were there in the school. It was like every word that you said, they were just hanging on that word and they were just being fed and receiving it. And it was just bringing so much joy to my heart. And it, like, it just reminded me, you know, of, of when many of us were first born again. Remember when you first heard the gospel? The gospel is good news. And a lot of these folks that were in the school, the director there, Patty, was telling us some of their backgrounds. Some of them came from religious backgrounds, churches, but they didn't know anything about the word of God and how appreciative they were for a school that was there that was teaching them and training them. Just things that we take for granted. But the word of God is rich and the word of God is life changing if we'll get it in our hearts and we'll act upon it. Amen. But tonight I want to talk to you about our good God. You know, God is good. God's word is good. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Then it says he satisfieth my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. In Jeremiah 15, 16, it says thy word was found and I did eat it and thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. You can always tell what people have been feeding on by what comes out of their mouth. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Another way to say it is the mouth leaketh. So if you've been putting a bunch of garbage in your mouth, in, 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 through your mouth, in your heart, it's going to come out your mouth. You can tell if people haven't been meditating on the goodness of God by what comes out of their mouth. If they don't have a revelation of who our loving heavenly father is, if they're saying stuff like, well, God blew my house down in the tornado or God, you know, caused my dog to get run over by a car or God caused me to break my leg or put this sickness and disease on me or God caused me to lose my job and lose my house. They are not talking about my heavenly father. My heavenly father doesn't do those things. He's not involved in disasters. He's not the one bringing tragedies. He's not the one putting cancer on people. And so many times religion has painted that view of God, but it is not the right view. It's not what the Bible says about him. God is a good God. And tonight we're going to get a deeper revelation of what the word says about him. I want you to turn with me over to first Corinthians chapter two, verse 12. And we're going to look at that in the amplified version. Oh, I like the word of God. Do you love the word of God? I love that scripture. Thy word was found and it was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. 
We had awesome praise and worship tonight. We were worshiping God. There was high praise in this place tonight. Well, it's not time to stop praising Him. We ought to be happy about the Word. We ought to be excited about the Word. And we're going to spend some more time at the end of this service giving God more glory and giving Him more honor. But look at this scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. In the Amplified, it says... Now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God given to us that we might realize and comprehend. And I love this and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us. By God. When we get born again, our spirit bears witness with His spirit that we are born again. And the Holy Spirit, He comes to live on the inside of us and He gives us revelation. He speaks what He hears the Father speak. The Holy Spirit, who is from God, He's given to us. Why? To help us to realize and to comprehend the vastness of our God, the greatness of our God, the wonderful gifts that he has given unto us, the divine favor and the blessing that he so freely has lavished upon us. Are you glad that you're born again? Are you thankful that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you happy about all the good things? that he has blessed you with are you glad that you got the peace of God that passes all understanding are you thankful for the joy of the Lord that gives you strength are you so excited that he has redeemed you from the curse of the law that he has healed you spirit soul and body he has made you whole This is what he wants us to have revelation of. This is what he wants us to comprehend. And you'll never comprehend it with your mind. You've got to renew your mind to the word of God. But it's a thing of the spirit. The things of the spirit. You've got to catch it in your spirit. Get that revelation by the Holy Spirit. What God has done. He's done good things. He's done great things. Realize, comprehend, and appreciate. And then I love this word. Lavishly bestowed upon us. What's the word lavish? What does that mean when you hear the word lavish? Well, immediately I think about what I do to a baked potato. I lavish a baked potato with butter and sour cream. I don't know what you do with yours, but that's what I do with mine. And I can remember, we, you know, we were well taken care of when we were in Samoa. The food was a little bit different. We had a lot of fish and a lot of, you know, rice, those kind of things, which was excellent. But we didn't have a cheeseburger and we didn't have a steak. So as soon as we landed in Maui, we headed to a restaurant and we had a cheeseburger with all the fixings. And then I still wasn't satisfied. They didn't have a vows there. Too bad. Y'all had to have a vows in Maui. That'd be good. But anyway. <laughs> and then I still wasn't satisfied. So that night we went out to Outback and I ordered myself a big fat filet. And I know y'all are getting hungry. And then I said, I want a baked potato loaded 
with butter, with sour cream. I lavished my baked potato with all those things that are so wonderful for you. (laughs) That's the first thing that we did. But the word lavish literally means this. Marked by or produced with extravagance. I'm extravagant with my butter and my sour cream when it comes to my baked potato. And I'm the same way when it comes to popcorn. Some people like it dry. I like it lavished with butter. You know what I'm saying? I'm extravagant in certain things. But you know what? Our Father God is extravagant. He's not wasteful, but He is extravagant in His love for you. He is extravagant in his favor that he bestows upon his children. Didn't it say that he lavishly bestows the favor of God upon us? He loves us so much and he's done so many wonderful things for us. The Bible says, I have not seen, ear hath not heard all the wonderful things that he has in store for us. But that's not waiting until we get to heaven. The next verse there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the next verse, verse 10 says, But he hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. He wants you to get a hold of it right here in the here and now. He wants us to live a life full of joy, unspeakable and full of glory. He wants us to have a life that is where our needs are met. Didn't he come to give us life and life more abundantly, abundantly provided for. That's what John 10, 10 tells us. He came to give us Zoe, the life of God, life as God has it. How do you think life is in heaven? They're not, they're not under any stress in heaven. They're not on any diet in heaven. They're not worrying about paying the mortgage on the port pearly gates in heaven. Life in heaven is extravagant. It's extravagantly good. And that's what he wants us to have here now in this life. Hallelujah. You know, people say sometimes (coughs) of parents, oh, you're just lavishing too much on your kids. You're spoiling them. Or now we're in a new stage. They say that about grandparents. You're lavishing too much on your grandkids. I mean, when I was in Samoa, I didn't care. You know, I wasn't trying to find a bunch of stuff for me. I was on a mission. I wanted to find this little doll for Livy that had the little traditional dress on him. Couldn't find it. Man, I'm dragging them all over the island. I want to find this doll because every country that we have been in, I bring back a doll and I'm giving those to Livy when she's probably like five or something. So I called up my friend Mua and Mua, I don't know where she went. She searched the island high and low, but she found me this doll and I can't wait to give that to Livy because you know, that's the heart of a grandparent. You want to do good things for your children. You want to do good things for your grandkids. How much more does our father want to bless us? How much more does he want to do good for us? And you know, people say, well, you can't give your kids too much. And of course there's balance and all of that stuff, but you can't give them too much love. 
Lavish love upon them. Lavish good words upon them. Lavish upon them that they can do all things through Christ Jesus. Lavish upon them that they are the head and not the tail. That they are more than conquerors. You can't show them too much love and too much kindness because that's the heart of our Father. And that's what He is lavishing on us as His kids. Oh, how He yearns. Oh, how He desires for us to grasp and to comprehend the good things that He has prepared for us. Think about this. Many of you are, are cooks. You know what it's like around special occasions, holidays. You, man, you get out all your family recipes. You might spend days cooking all this wonderful feast for your family and your friends. And if you're like me, you know, I like cooking, but the greatest joy about cooking for me is get all this stuff on the table and then have my family sit down and with every bite to go, mmm, mmm, mmm. I have a great little great nephew. He just turned a, a year old. And this little dude, he's, he, to be politically correct, he's portly. <laughs> and he enjoys his food. And my sister was telling me they go to a restaurant. And that whatever they give him, they give him, you know, new food to try. And with every bite, real loud, he goes, mmm, mmm. And his dad says, you know, this is embarrassing. Can we just... Maybe, is there some way we can break him of that? But you know, he's enjoying every bite. And as a cook, you like it when people sit down and they go, mmm, mmm, this is delicious. It brings joy to your heart. I love it when I cook something that pastor likes and he sits there and and eats the whole thing. That's great. (laughs) Not so much great for him, but I enjoy it. He mentioned this morning, we were married 34 years on July 22nd. And when, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a great time celebrating. And when we were first married, I've told you before, you know, I grew up on a farm. And on a farm, people work hard. There's physical labor involved in, in being on a farm. And my dad was a big guy. And so, I mean, my mom would cook lots of food. There were five kids with my parents. It was a meal always for seven people. Probably really enough for about 12 people, the way that my dad and brothers ate. And so when Mark and I were first married... I like to cook. I had no idea how to cook for two people, though. I'd peel a whole bag of 10 pounds of potatoes, you know. Fry up two skillets of chicken. I just didn't know how to cook for two people. And he'd come home. I'd have all this stuff on the table. And he'd say, who's coming for dinner? And I'd say, no one. It's for you. Yeah, he was working at Kenneth Hagin Ministries. He was sitting at a desk. He wasn't out pulling a tractor, you know what I'm saying, all day long, not doing physical labor. And so he'd eat a little plate full, and then I'd say, that's all you're going to eat? You don't like it. I remember almost crying one time. You don't like it because he ate a normal-sized portion. <laughs> and I was used to my dad eating a platter, clearing the table, you know. So it was just such a joy to me to watch him eat. If we get that much joy 
out of cooking natural food and watching somebody enjoy it. Think about the joy that our Father gets when we come to His table. And He has a table prepared. He has a table spread for us where the saints of God are fed. He invites the hungry. Come and dine. Come and dine. The Master's calling. Come and dine. He's saying, I gave you my best. I put my all into preparing this meal for you. I died on the cross. I rose up from the dead so that you could enjoy and partake of salvation. So that you could come and eat the healing, the children's bread. Hallelujah. Which is healing. So that you could come and have this platter of peace. So that you could know the joy. Hallelujah. So you could come and partake of the strength of the Lord. He's prepared it all for us. And he's got a chair there for you too. And he's waiting for us to come and to taste of the word of God. We already quoted it in the beginning, but it's Psalms 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of you have tasted of his goodness? And aren't you glad that you can come to the Father's table and you can just eat and eat and eat and there's no calories. Woo! You can take all that you want. Hallelujah! You can be a glutton for the things of God. He likes it. He wants us. He desires for us to come and partake of his goodness. Now, you know, out in the world, people have this slogan that they say sometimes, oh, it's all good. It's all good. And sometimes I feel like saying to them, really, it's not all good. You like, Pastor, we won't get into that, but this morning was talking about pants on the ground and all that stuff and some of these guys sagging and all this stuff that they're doing and then they're saying, it's all good. No, it's not all good if you don't know Jesus. If you're not born again, it's not the good life. He came that we might enjoy the good life, the life that he has prepared and prearranged for us. It's good if you know God, but if you don't know God, it's not so good. But how many of you in here tonight, you know God, then you got a good life in store for you. Hallelujah. You know, out there in the world, there's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And there is a clash that's taking place right now. It's like darkness is getting darker. The devil is stirring up meanness and just all sorts of craziness. These murders that happened in Norway over the weekend. Just awful things that the devil, he's putting those thoughts in people's mind. But at the same time, the church ought to be getting brighter. The kingdom of darkness is getting darker, but we ought to get brighter. And you know what else we ought to be getting? We ought to be getting gooder. I don't know if that's a word, but it sounds good right here. The church ought to be getting gooder, filled with the goodness of God. There is so much bad news out there. People, I mean, you can't turn the TV on. You can't look at a newspaper without seeing tragedy, without seeing despair. Evil reports all around. Bad news because the devil is a bad devil. But folks, we got the good news. Hallelujah. 
Today, as we are sitting in church, remember Nick Ken, one of our buddies. You remember Nick Ken that came from Minnesota. And God uses him to go out on the streets and win hundreds of people to the Lord. He's got a real thick Norwegian kind of accent. And he walks up to people and says, have you heard the good news? Have you heard the good news? And you know what? That's a good opening line. People will get just by saying that to some people. What? There's good news? Something good happened? Seriously? Because usually when you get to work, everybody's talking about the bad things. Oh, wasn't this horrible what happened here? Oh, that was so bad what happened to that person. That was so tragic what happened over there. Just think of what would happen in the atmosphere of your office if you walked in every day. Have you heard the good news? People would be shocked. There's good news? Something good happened? Yes, something good happened 2,000 years ago and it's still good today. Jesus died for you that you could have and enjoy the good life. Hallelujah. Now, the Apostle Paul, he wrote something to his disciple Philemon. There's only one chapter in the book of Philemon, and I want to look at verse 6 in the Amplified Version. I know this is a simple word tonight, but I'm stirring you up to the goodness of God. Hallelujah. It is so easy to get negative. Even when we know our positive God. But you can be influenced by the negativity of other people. And just by all the garbage that's floating around out there. I want to encourage you. Meditate in the word. Pray in the spirit. Talk about the goodness of God. Rehearse what he has done in your life. Just think about it. I'm going to heaven. That's good news. I'm healed. I'm happy. My family's intact. That's good news. Hallelujah. Think about it. Meditate on it. This is what the apostle Paul said here in the book of Philemon in verse 6. I want to look at it in the Amplified. And I pray that the participation in and, and uh, sharing, I, don't, I might put my little glasses on, and sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding, and listen to this, and precise knowledge. You want to have precise knowledge? Precise knowledge of what? Of every good thing that is ours. Now listen to this. In our identification with Christ Jesus and unto his glory. The Apostle Paul prayed this for Philemon. He said that I am praying that your faith may produce and promote full recognition. And appreciation and understanding. Do you know that there's more of God to be understood? Do you know that you could have a greater revelation knowledge of your redemptive rights? 
Did you know that you can get a bigger understanding of what he's done for you? That's why the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 17. And he says, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be flooded with light. That you would be able to comprehend, to understand all the wonders, all the vastness, all the great things that you've been redeemed from. How many of you think that God can get bigger? God can't get bigger. He's already as big as he's going to get. But you know he can get bigger in our thinking. He can get bigger in our heart. We can take the limits off of him. So often we put God in a box and we say, well, this God can do this and God can do that. But this is just too hard. This is just too impossible. Nothing is impossible with our God and nothing is impossible to him that Believe us, but the only way that we're going to be able to believe it and to stretch is to get that redemptive revelation knowledge, to comprehend, to get a full understanding of who we are in Christ. Because he said this, a knowledge, a precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ. It's not going to happen in our works. It's not going to happen by our striving. It's not going to happen even through our natural education. It's not going to happen by who your family is or by how good looking you think you are. That's not how it's going to happen. This identification, this comprehension only comes when we see ourselves in Christ Jesus. When we see ourselves as what he has done. You know what? You look a lot better in Christ than you do outside of Christ. We look a lot better under the blood. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus that has made us brand new creations? We're not what we used to be, but guess what? We're not all that we're going to be. Our attitude ought to be, I am pressing toward the mark. I am pressing toward the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I got some places to go. I've got some things to accomplish. I'm not going to be the same person next year at this time that I am now. Because if you will pray this prayer over you and you will say, Lord, I want a precise knowledge of all that you've done in me. I want a precise knowledge of who you are and who I am in you. It'll change you. If you're having trouble with your self-image, if you're having trouble with being bold as you need to be out there in the workplace, if you're having trouble feeling like you're a failure, then stop looking at who you are in you. That's not where you're going to change things. Start looking at him. And when you focus upon him, looking at him, 
him while your steadfast gaze is on him, the reflection of you is going to change because you begin to see yourself as he sees you. You're highly favored. You're valued. You're precious. You are a child of the most high God. He loves you unconditionally. You are the apple of his eye. If you're having a hard time seeing yourself as valuable and as precious, just find a bunch of scriptures that tell you how much he loves you and start meditating on those. Start confessing that every day when you go out the door. Say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am compassed about with the favor of God. I am highly favored. The Lord goes before me. He opens doors that no man can shut. Hallelujah. Promotion doesn't come from man. Promotion comes from God. The hand of the Lord is upon me for good. Hallelujah. I've got the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God is formed within me. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am more than a conqueror. I am not the conquered. Hallelujah. Because God's favor is upon me. I got favor with God and with man. People are just moved to help me. People want to promote me. People want to do good things for me. And you start thinking about it's because not because of who I am, but because of whose I am because I belong to him and my hope, my trust, my confidence is in him. Then his hand is upon me. He's opening doors. He's causing people to do things for me that they don't even know why they're doing it. But it's the favor of God that is upon us. In our identification with Christ. Why? Let me ask you a question. Why did Jesus come? What was his message? Did he come to condemn the world? Did he come to bring more rules and religious laws and regulations? Did he come with bad news? Did he come to bring confusion? Did he come just to destroy hope and to tell mankind you are lost and there's no hope for you? No, that's not why Jesus came. Very simple truth tonight, but let's look over at Luke chapter 4. This is why he came. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Luke 4, and we're going to look at verse 16. We'll start there. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you came. This is the background. Jesus went into the synagogue one day, here in verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, 
And he entered the synagogue as was his custom on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. That verse right there is loaded. That tells us first of all that Jesus went to the synagogue every Sabbath. As his custom was. He believed in the church. He believed in gathering together. It was a synagogue but still it was gathering together with believers. It was his custom. And that's a good custom for all of us to adapt. Amen. That's all I'll say about that. Now verse 17. And there was handed to him the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened and unrolled the book. And he found the place where it was written. And that place that he began to read was out of Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 and 2. Because obviously the book of Luke wasn't written again yet. But this is exactly what Isaiah chapter 1 verse, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news. Why did Jesus come? To preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To send forth as delivered those who were oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Profusely abound the favors of God. Hallelujah. He was saying here. Let me go on. Let's just read verse 21. After he read this. Then he rolled up the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were gazing attentively upon him. And he began to speak to them. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled while you are present and hearing. What was he saying? I am he. I am the one that Isaiah prophesied about. I am the one that Isaiah said was going to come and set the captives free. I am the one that came to break bondage off of the bound. I am the one who came to open the blind eyes. I am the one who came to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I am the one who came to open the prison doors. Now this isn't that big a deal to us to hear this, but that was a huge deal for him to proclaim that in the face of those religious leaders. But he knew who he was. And he knew what he was anointed to do. And he is still anointed today to do the same things. To release the captives. Hallelujah. To bring good news to the poor. Good news to the poor is you don't have to be poor no more. That is why he came. That is what he proclaimed. That is what the word still speaks 
today. That same anointing still destroys yokes. That same anointing still sets the captives free. That same anointing still profusely abounds. There's no shortage of the anointing. There's no shortage of God's goodness. Hallelujah. He wants to lavish his favor upon us. He wants to set the captives free. This gospel, the good news that we preach and that we proclaim is for whosoever will. Whosoever will can have divine favor with God. You know, the religious leaders of that day, they weren't happy when he proclaimed that. They got mad because he said, I am he and I am anointed to preach good news. Do you know that there's still religious people that get mad when people say God is a good God? Old Roberts used to say something good is going to happen to you. And there were people in the church world that didn't like that. They got all up in arms. How dare him say that God is going to do something good? How dare him proclaim that something good is going to happen to you? You just never know what God is going to do. When people say things like that, immediately know they have no revelation knowledge. Immediately know that they don't comprehend and they don't have a precise understanding of who our father is because something good is going to happen to you. If you hook up with God, if you say, Lord, I am yours, I'm serving you with all of my heart, all the days of my life, all that I have, I give to you. Lord, I surrender all to you. I can guarantee you something good is going to happen to you because when God shows up and God shows out his goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life doesn't mean we're not going to have trouble but his goodness is greater than any trouble his mercy is greater than any attack of the devil We can expect his goodness and his favor to abound. Now let's look at one last scripture over here in Acts chapter 10. Why did God anoint him? Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Why did God anoint Jesus? We just said that he, he just, we just read. He said, I am he. I am the anointed one. And then this tells us in in the Amplified how God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power. How he went about doing bad. How he went about making people feel worse. Is that what it says? How he went about doing good and in particular curing all who were harassed and oppressed 
by the power of the devil. For God was with him. For God was with him. How God anointed, anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And that same anointing that God anointed Jesus with is present in this place. That same anointing is available to you and to me. That same anointing resides on the inside of us. And that same anointing still destroys the yokes of the devil. Whether it's a yoke of sin, whether it's a yoke of addiction, whether it's a yoke of sickness and disease, whether it's a yoke of oppression in the mind, whether it's a yoke of depression, the anointing, the anointing that is on Jesus, that same anointing flows through his body. And that same anointing destroys yokes. As a matter of fact, I want to look at Isaiah chapter 10. Just look at this passage of scripture, a description of what the anointing does. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your word. The anointing is on the word of God. Some of you sitting in here tonight, just hearing the word of God, things are happening in your physical body. Things are happening in your mind. The anointing is penetrating sickness and disease. The anointing will penetrate bondages of the enemy. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. Oh, Father. Let's reverence the word. Let's reverence the anointing right now. If you pray in the Holy Spirit, just begin to pray in the Spirit. For the Debrosibarandarabaka. For the Spirit of God shall madombre sibotondre baka manifest himself. Ebroko sombre taha. And the anointing, yembro sombra, it rises right now. The anointing, eboru libakara santa, it quickens mortal bodies right now. The amendo broca sibrocolido brochebra taha. The anointing brings restoration right now. The anointing, ebodo sombaka da de deba sombra taha. 
Oh yes, and even the dabringita, even the healing anointing does rise. Oh me adondarika zombato do dressebododanda. Let's all just stand to our feet and just continue just to be because of the anointing the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing the oppressed shall go free oh we wait upon you, Lord. We wait upon you, Lord, that the displays of your goodness, displays of your mercy. Oh, showing forth the goodness of God. Oh, Mandadita Soprate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Sibokurida Nenadevasa. Now, when we read over there in Acts 10, 38, that Jesus said that God had anointed him to destroy the works of the devil. And it said here, those that were harassed, harassed by the devil. That just come, can't be so brita, just came up in my heart. There's somebody in here that you're being harassed. I don't know if it's you're being harassed on the job. You're being harassed by a relative, by a neighbor. But there's some sort of harassment. There's some sort of assignment. That's Ibokoreba Sobretataha. And the anointing is here to destroy the power of that thing. So if that describes you, if you're under any kind of harassment, come on down here. Oh, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Whatever Nemasa, if all you got out of tonight's message is God is a good God, the devil is a bad devil, and because of God's goodness, he sets the captives free. Hallelujah. And the anointing. And the anointing.